Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, open to Luke chapter 2. Look at verses 8 through 14. Before I go any further, though, we do have a need, and our community for someone is in some need. There are offering plates in the back. We'll take a love offering. Uh, if you need to do it, fill out a check, uh, see myself or Rashonda. We'll tell you who it needs to be made out to. But be in prayer about that. If you can help, um, it would be great. But uh, it's a love offering for uh, someone in need in our community. We're continuing on with the cast of Christmas, and now we're looking at the angels, specifically their proclamation to the shepherds those many years ago. Now, this holiday season, uh, we have lots of traditions, don't we? A lot of things that we do. Perhaps one of our traditions is hanging lights on the house. That's always lots of fun, right, fellas? I can tell by the laughing, and yeah, okay. <laughs> someone, someone take the ladder away and make you sit on the roof all day. Uh, but we like to hang lights. Now, I hope we hang the lights thinking that how Jesus is the light of the world. But if you go back and dig a little bit, research will point back to a possible connection with the Norse god Odin. Now, according to German mythology, he had a fondness for a beer and a log. How about Christmas trees? Where did that tradition come from? Some say they came from Roman mythology. Others say 16th century Germans or even the reformer Martin Luther himself. The point I'm trying to make is this. I'm not against those traditions, by the way. Okay, traditions are traditions. But just as a side note, don't let your tradition trump what the Bible says, all right? That's the danger there. But the point I'm trying to make this morning, that everyone takes time out during this time of year. They, they kind of take a pause for a moment for this holiday. And you see it all over TV and the commercials make the perfect Christmas gift. Although, I haven't seen the Chia Pet this year. The only time you usually see it is the Chia Pet. But anyway, they, they talk about a great Christmas gift. Everybody's talking about Christmas and Christmas sales, the holiday season, and all the movies being played. But yet, so many people do not know why we're taking this time out. Why? What's this holiday really all about? Why do we spend so much time and decoration and preparation and promotion for this? And sadly to say, most people do not know. When we look at the first proclamation of Christmas... We are reminded of the why, why we take this time out, why do we decorate, why do we exchange gifts, all the meaning behind it. Because I'm deeply concerned as time goes on, we have lost the reason behind all of this to begin with. Do those things are not bad, don't misunderstand me, but we have to remember why are we doing them. What's the reason behind it? Christmas has come to commercialize. And we need to go back to that first proclamation. We see it in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. So look in your Bible with me, and we'll read it together. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region or country, there are some shepherds staying out on the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring or I proclaim to you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. 
For today, in the city of David, there has been born for, for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude or a great company of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. There we have the first proclamation. I had a New Testament professor ask us one time, I, it's kind of a fun question. I pose it to you. Why do you suppose only one angel showed up to announce it and then you see the heavenly host? Any reason why that might be? And I don't need to answer out loud. Think about it. why only one angel at first and then all the heavenly host. I think the key is what the angel says. Do not be afraid. I think of all those angels would have showed up at first. The shepherds would have had a heart attack and died because they couldn't take all the glory that that, that had going on. But it's important to remember that this proclamation about this peace on earth is not a declaration of world peace or end of strife or war. It's not an announcement of how we can get along better with our neighbors. It's actually much bigger and much more important than that. Because through Jesus, the barrier of sin has been removed. Now we can have peace and relationship with God. If you don't have peace in your life right now, it's because you don't have peace with God. That's our vertical relationship. If our vertical relationship with our Creator and Maker is out of whack, then our horizontal relationship with each other are going to be out of whack. We have to, if, we, if we don't have peace with God, we can't have peace with ourselves or with each other. So through Christ, we can have peace with God. And this peace on earth that Jesus brings is foremost peace with God. This peace comes from faith in Jesus and the forgiveness that follows. No wonder the angels proclaim that night, glory to God in the highest. God's favor rests on those who receive this truth and the forgiveness of Jesus. So our first response to this would be passing the peace. Our response to the peace that Jesus has brought to us. We are to become peace proclaimers in our Christmas traditions and celebrations. Now, most families, mine included, experience some relational pressure and difficulties, especially through the holiday season. Nearly every family gathering has that one individual that needs an extra grace. Now, don't look at me like that. And as I said those words, I guarantee you that some of you a name popped in your head. So always have that one person. For many, Christmas actually brings more strife and conflict rather than less. And as the ones who receive the peace with God through Jesus, we have a special opportunity to proclaim peace in our families. Just the way the angels proclaim peace to those shepherds. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, part of the Beatitudes, Jesus speaking, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, peacemaking is not the same thing as peacekeeping. So you have peacemaking on one side, peacekeeping on the other. When Jesus brought peace, brought us peace with God, he didn't create an uneasy truce. Rather, he brought us back into unity and harmony with God. Jesus doesn't just tolerate us. He restored us. He didn't make a way to endure us, but rather he made a way that he can become near us and develop a relationship with us. So he just become 
keep the peace. He made the peace. Uh, To illustrate that, the United Nations, as the beginning of this year, has 16 peacekeeping operations. Now, the definition will be up here, but listen how they describe how they do that. You'll see it on the screen. Our peacekeepers help prevent conflict to reduce human suffering, build stable and prosperous societies, and enable people to reach the full potential. See, peacekeeping is just preventing people from acting out, possibly from hatred in their own hearts. It just tries to prevent conflict and keeps people from destroying each other. But peacemaking goes much deeper than that. The type of peace that Jesus has made between us and God. It restores relationship. It brings harmony. It goes beyond and it goes beyond just avoiding and separating conflict. Rather, it brings restoration, relationship, and unity. Did you see the difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping? Peacekeeping, you just want everybody to be happy and get along. Rather, peacemaking actually brings restoration and unity and harmony. For many, this Christmas season is a simple reminder that we don't have any peace in our lives or in our families. Many of us have conflicts with our parents, our children, our brothers, our sisters. And we're to the point where we just want to survive the holidays. We just want to grab any peace we get a hold of and just get me through the holidays is all I want. But there's so much more for you that you can have during this Christmas season. You don't have to be one who's just trying to survive the holidays. Instead, you proclaim the good news of Jesus by being a peacemaker. One who lives, brings, and proclaims peace. A peace that transforms and lasts. See, before Christ was in my life, I had no peace with God. Because, see, sin separates me from God. God cannot be in the same company with sin. He hates it. He just can't be in it. And in my sin, I could not have peace or relationship with God. But because of Jesus, who took on my sin and my shame for me on that cross, his righteousness, because I've confessed and put my faith and trust in him as my Lord and Savior, now his righteousness is imputed on me, and God the Father sees me through that precious blood that was spilled, and now I'm forgiven. But before you get that peace of God, you have to come to this conclusion. You have to realize that why do we need that? Because we're all sinners. And that's very illustrated. I've done this hundreds of times. Let's, let's do it again. How many in this room ever told a lie? All right. Now, now you're admitting to me that you're a liar. And by the way, I did too. One of the Ten Commandments, you shall not bear false witness. Lying, all right? We got that. We're all now just confess that we're liars. Now, have you ever taken... God's name in vain, the holy God that brings you life, ever use it as a filthy custard. Now remember, you just admitted it's your liar. I've done it. We can go all down the list. I cannot keep the Ten Commandments. I can't keep the law. I just can't do it. I desperately need a Savior, and that is Jesus. And because of him, now I have peace with God. God's wrath is satisfied because of the cross of Christ. And now I stand 
in peace with God, forgiven with the precious blood of Christ. If you decide that the only way this Christmas can be a success is giving everybody what they want, just trying to appease everybody, get all the big gifts, if that's the only thing that you think you can do, you're only guaranteeing one thing. Stress and guilt and dissatisfaction in your heart. The only thing you really reap at the end is large credit bills and interest rates for months to come. See, peacekeeping tries to appease, patch together, keep everyone satisfied. We're peacemaking deals with the underlying issue. In the underlying issue, we just identify we are all sinners. We have all, really that word sin means to miss the mark. It's, imagine a person shooting an arrow, archery, they have a target. And so that word sin means I'm aiming at the target, but I just keep missing the mark. I can't hit it. Uh, see, I can't come up to the mark that God expects because he is a perfect God. I keep missing it. Until I come to terms with the fact that I'm a sinner and I cannot earn my salvation, I can't pay my way, I cannot be good enough, and I come to Christ, only then will I experience that true peace. See, the problem is many of us in this room are running around trying to buy the next best thing. Get the new this, get the new that, perfect Christmas gift. Perfect. You know what the perfect Christmas gift is? Jesus Christ. The only gift that will give you eternal life, forgiveness, peace, and satisfaction. And if you're a believer in Christ, we need to pass that peace along and proclaim that peace. It doesn't mean you have to stand up in the middle of the family dinner and start preaching to everybody. How do you do that? You live it out. You show people what the love of Christ looks like. You love unconditionally, not expecting anything in return. Another thing about this peace that Christ gives us is a deep peace, a deeper peace that surpasses all comprehension or understanding. So many of us this holiday season fall in that great trap. If we just do this, we get all the decorations here, we got to do all this. We get so wrapped up in making the perfect holiday dinner or perfect holiday a celebration that we forget what our real mission is. James chapter 3, verse 17 and following says, The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, we need to be that person that has that wisdom from above. So we could be more concerned about proclaiming the peace of Jesus. And we should be centered on living out the gospel with our family and friends. I start out by telling you this, this time of year we have all these traditions. Everybody takes a pause out. This season also brings wonderful opportunity because you'll be talking to people and making connections with people that you normally don't talk to the rest of the year. I mean, people make a joke about it. We send Christmas cards to people. We don't know who they are. We just do send them off. You get the Christmas card. Who's this? Well, that's cousin so-and-so. Well, I've never met him. And we do all this. But we need to focus on those connections and be in prayer about it now. God, how can we use this time of year, all this, this special time when people are thinking about all these things, to step in and speak that truth of the gospel into their lives? 
Not only by your mouth, but also by our actions and our behavior. How can we speak that peace? Because we all need peace. And so many people think I'm talking about real peace. That would be nice. We have all these wars raging on around us. But the type of peace I'm talking about goes far deeper than that. It's a peace only Christ can give. We need to pray for wisdom. And we need to praise how we can proclaim Christ through what we say and how we act. And I am praying that myself and you will proclaim that peace of Christ like we've never have before. See, sometimes people want help and understanding. But some people sometimes hide behind an argument. Or they want to just babble on about stuff. They'll, they'll hide. But we need to pray that God will give us the discernment and wisdom to distinguish what's really going on. In the midst of all the traditions and celebrations and connections we'll make this holiday season. <laughs> never forget, never forget how precious people are. Even the most belligerent, difficult, draining person is precious to God. That speaks volumes to me. Why do I say that? Because God sent his son for anyone and everyone. John 3.16, you know it. For God so loved the... For God so loved the... That word, world, comes from the Greek word cosmos, where we get our English word cosmos. God so loved the universe. God so loved mankind. That's whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. Oh, I'll just use myself as an illustration. Yeah, you get up here and you, you pray and you prepare to preach God's word and you get it all out there and you're thinking about application. And then all of a sudden, guess what? God gives me an opportunity to practice what I preach five minutes right after service. I get impatient with people. Do I treat people like God treats them? Hey, get out of my way. I'm late for church. We need to hurry up and beat those old Methodists over there because we want to get first line in that meal. Just saying. Because it's easy, isn't it? It's so easy to get wrapped up in our own little lives and our own little situations that we forget this Christmas season goes beyond the, it goes beyond every all the traditions that we have it goes about the most precious gift given and that is Christ and it's there for anybody it's a gift if Lynn and Jerry said Tim we have a gift for you what happens if I never go get it it's not a gift i have to go and get it from them to receive it how many of us have truly received that free gift that Jesus has it's not an issue about being good enough. Jesus says, come to me, all that are heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. Come and let him clean you up. And God wants everybody to have peace with him. Scripture tells us that he doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to everlasting life. Being peaceful is our next point. 
Before you can proclaim it, you need to possess it. No one expects you to be perfect. It's difficult to proclaim the message of God's peace when you're stressed out, overwhelmed, and exhausted. But it begins with accepting and embracing the peace that we have with God. First and foremost, have you given your life to Christ? If you, if you are, do you really experience that peace in your life? It's a rare individual who knows what it's like to be fully accepted for just who they are, just as they are. Yet that is our very condition. In Jesus, God's favor rests upon us. Despite all the talk about peace and grace in Christian circles, how many or how few of us feel like we can just receive the love of Christ rather than trying to earn our way or try to prove our worthiness to have it? Let me just catch you to the chase. You'll never be worthy of it. It's the name grace. You'll never be, you'll never be good enough. Neither will I. That's the reason why the writer of Amazing Grace called that Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me. I was once was lost, but now I'm found. I was once blind, but now I see. So many of us will affirm that, but yet, In our daily lives, we try to somehow prove it, that we're good people, that we can, we're worthy of it. Now, we, our lives should bear fruit of the Spirit, but salvation itself is a gift. That's what Christmas is all about. Why do we give gifts to each other? Because of the greatest gift ever given to you and I. I should give a gift to my family, to my wife, and to my kids, not expecting anything in return, just as God gave his son, knowing that not everyone was going to accept that gift. In the angel's proclamation we just read about, there's no mention of our own effort. Look what it says in verse 11. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, Who is Christ the Lord? Now, in order to walk and remain in peace, we have to discipline our minds. And this is where the battle begins, is it not? The devil's playground. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the last part of verse 5, says, We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It's not bad to think on things. You have to dismiss it and move on. And right now you have so many voices yelling at you, trying to get your attention. You have to clear it out to listen to the small, still voice of God. Be careful what you allow in. Because what they tell you, nutrition, is is true with anything else. Junk in is junk out. What am I looking at? What am I taking in outside worship? Am I taking in good things, holy things, or am I filling my mind up with a bunch of junk? See, priests... Peace proclaimers use wisdom and patience instead of jumping to conclusions. Peace proclaimers, instead of quickly misinterpreting other people's actions and intents, refuse to take offense when they feel slighted. They refuse to allow their own thoughts to turn a careless or insensitive comment into a personal attack. Peace proclaimers will not give themselves over to a rumor. Or pick up an offense that is based on one side of the story. They always hope, they always believe, and they always endure. That's what we're called to be. 
There's two things out there you must ask yourself. Number one, are you a believer in Christ? I'm not asking you if you join the church. I'm not even asking you if you've been baptized. I'm asking you, do you have peace with God, your maker, through Jesus Christ, his son, by placing your faith and trust in him and following obedience to him? That's the question I'm asking. And if you've done that, are you a priest proclaimer? Are you proclaiming that peace that you have with God through Christ to those around you by showing and demonstrating God's love to everybody, even those most difficult, belligerent people that get on our nerves? Yes, the people at Walmart. And even some of our own family members. I've said this once and I'll say it again. In passing, I'll move on to my conclusion in a moment. In a minute. Most people out there will tell you they believe in some type of God. Now, there's some out there who will argue all day long and there's no, no, well. Most people will say, yeah, I believe in God. When you start talking about Jesus, that's where the separation starts happening. But most unbelievers, most people who say they don't get, uh, they don't like to get an organized religion, will kind of make this argument. Why is that people who meet with this God day in and day out, week in and week out, are no different than other people I see I come in contact with? We should so be living our lives, myself included, that people notice there's a difference in us, and they come to you and say, how can you have such peace? It doesn't mean you have to walk around numb all the time with a smile on your face. People get locked up for that kind of stuff. Life is hard. It's difficult. You're going to cry, cry. You're going to happy, be happy. But through those times of crisis and joy, we have that peace of God that cannot shake us. It's always there knowing that at the end of the day, God has me securely in his hand and nothing can snatch me out. That's the peace I'm talking about. Am I concerned about America and the politicians, what's going on? Yeah, I am concerned. Yeah, I probably get more worried about it than I should, but I know this one thing. God's still on his throne. We just saw five young people publicly proclaim their faith in Christ. God's demonstrating to you, Faith Forestburg Baptist Church, he ain't done with you yet. He still wants to use this body to reach people with the gospel. I came across this illustration, and I'll give you the, if you want it in writing, I'll hand it out to you later, but it's almost, I thought someone made it up. I had to go back and check it. It's in the New York Times on August the 25th, 1994, and it's an article entitled, Brotherly Love Powers Lawn Mower Track. I'll have to look at my notes because I don't want to get the story mixed up, but it's about these two brothers, Alvin Strait, who was 63, and his brother Henry. They were separated by 240 miles, and the two never spoke or met for 10 years because they had a disagreement of falling out. So they didn't talk for 10 years. Now, when Henry turned 80 years old, he had a stroke, and when his brother Alvin heard the news, he decided it was time to reunite with his brother and reunite with him before it came impossible to do so. So at 73... Now, Alvin's sight was too poor for him to get a driver's license. So what he did, he took a trailer, he loaded it up with gasoline, camping gear, and food. And you're not going to believe me on this, but I'm telling you, I checked out, it's true. He took that trailer and hooked it up to a lawnmower and rode that lawnmower 240 miles for six weeks to reach his brother. I kid you not, I'll show you the article myself. 
He did that because he wanted to make peace with his brother at any cost. Now, you could ask, why did he ask for someone to give him a ride? I don't know, but that's what he did. Hey, by the way, he reached a top speed of five miles an hour. And then when he recovered, Henry recovered from his stroke, he moved back to Iowa to be closer to his brother and his rest of his family. What strikes me here is this guy's dedication to do whatever it takes. So my question to myself and to you, how far are you willing to go to speak the peace of Christ into your family's life, into your friends' lives, into strangers that you come in contact with? Now, you can't make anyone do anything. You can't change anyone. But you can proclaim peace. And how far are you willing to go to share that peace that you have in Jesus with others? Are you willing to take that first step? Are you willing to take a stand this Christmas to be a peacemaker? Alvin went 240 miles over six weeks to make that peace with his brother. But, you know, Jesus did something far more impressive than that. He crossed the chasm of heaven, took on human flesh, walked among us, lived perfectly without sin, did miracles, teaching and showing us the love of God. And the climax of his life was when he did nothing, he did absolutely nothing wrong, but he took a cross that was reserved for criminals to die on. He took that cross upon himself, paying my sin and my shame and paying yours as well. So that you and me could have peace with his father. That's how far Jesus is willing to go. How far are you willing to go to share that peace that you have? The angels came to earth to proclaim the news. Glory to God in the highest, verse 14, and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. In the midst of all our traditions and celebrations and even obligations, will we put the same effort into it? Will our lives... Show people and proclaim to people the peace of God. People are hearing that Christmas story everywhere they go. TV specials, movies, TV, radio, they're hearing it. Instead of getting so wrapped up in our gift giving, and that's fun, they would do, do that, but don't lose sight about what this is really all about. And take this opportunity... To say, you know, this is great what you're doing, Christmas and your decorations, but let me tell you about someone who gives you peace that you never had before. And use that opportunity to speak peace into their lives. And, you know, I'll, I'll end with this. You're not going to believe me, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's much easier for me to stand up here and address people. Some of you I know, some of you I don't know than it is to just some own family members. It's hard, isn't it? My dad's 80 years old. Always been a little scared of my dad. Respect and fear kind of go hand in hand somewhat. My dad is asking me questions about Jesus. I don't know where he's at yet. And I must admit, a little intimidated. Here I am telling my dad, 
But what a great opportunity I have to share with him the peace that I have. You know, Tim, I couldn't do what you're doing. I don't, well, let me tell you, Dad, let me tell you why I'm doing what I'm doing. It goes beyond having a big church. It goes beyond salary. It goes beyond all that. It goes to eternal matters of the heart. That's the reason I do what I do. What a great privilege, honor, and responsibility. So what is God leading you to this morning? Maybe you need to make some peace with each other in this room. But before you can do that, do you have peace with God? It's never too late. I don't care what you've done, what, what you, where you're at. God is here with his arms open wide saying, come to me. Come to me. You're not going to tell him anything he doesn't already know. Confess, you know what that word means? I agree with you, God. This is sin, and I've sinned against you. Really and truly, if I've sinned and done something with this audio here, first I have to recognize, first I've sinned against God and straighten that out and then come to my sister. So what is God leading you to? This place is open. Pray. If you need to pray, go across through whatever you need to do. Please, I beg of you, do not leave this place until you do business with God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your message of peace. We thank you for the proclamation of peace that we can have through your Son. And so many of us in this room are running back and forth trying to find a peace, trying to trust the best, best thing this world has to offer, trying to find something to satisfy our souls with, and yet you have what we need. All we got to do is come to you. So, Father, I pray that you knock every wall, every chain, every obstacle out of the way, and that you draw men and women, boys and girls, unto, your, unto yourself. Father, you alone are worthy of all the praise and honor. Continue to speak to our hearts, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.